There we go. I'll hit record here. When I was in Costa Rica, I learned the phrase, Mia Moore, my love. And so uh, Carlos and Hazel was our host family as we went down there uh, on a mission trip. And uh, so from all over the house, uh, instead of hollering out, Mia Moore, they would whistle. Like Mia Moore in a whistle. So anyway, uh, we also learned uh, the phrase, Tienes Jesus en su corazón. It means, uh, do you have Jesus in your heart? And so that's how we would witness without knowing uh, the language. Um, I am going to have a visitor next Sunday at the church in the park. And uh, he is bilingual. He's uh, grew up in Raytown, so he's uh, fully English speaking in his heart. But he, uh, um, I'm not sure, I don't think he was a missionary, but uh, he is very fluent in Spanish. So, uh, Leo Namita, come and meet my friend next week if you're at the church in the park. So I'm going to toggle over here to my study, and I've got the recorder going. Uh, uh, I think you, uh, we're still recording audio messages. Uh, Jim, uh, we forget the recorder sometimes. So, but anyway, this message will be on there. This is part two of Ruth and Boaz. I, I said last week that uh, there's two uh, keys that will help us be good disciples of Jesus Christ. Uh, all. All summer, uh, we are studying uh, discipleship, and uh, that is uh, to be a good disciple of Jesus Christ is to be a good follower, a good uh, student, a good pupil, and uh, uh, Paul, the apostle, he said to uh, follow him even as he follows Christ, and so uh, we want to be good followers of Jesus Christ so that others will follow us as well. And so uh, these two keys, uh, does anybody remember what the two keys are? If I'm not frozen up, uh, text in your answer. We mentioned two things last week. And uh, I'll pause just a minute. And uh, we had little bags of candy this week, so you could have, I should have uh, given one to Jim this week, uh, this morning. But uh, anyway, we, we have looked last week how that uh, Boaz and Ruth uh, Boaz is a type of Jesus Christ and Ruth is a type of the church and we said that a type is a person an event a thing or a ritual in the Old Testament that prefigures something in the New Testament in other words it's something physical that illustrates a spiritual truth Uh, Other Bible words for types are print, form, pattern, fashion, manner, example, or insample, and of course figure. We said that uh, in in, uh, Romans that Adam was a figure of him that was to come. And so he was a type of Christ. I think in Discipleship 2, we still, uh, part of that curriculum shows that there's like 18 types of the Antichrist. And there's uh, 21 types of Christ in the Old Testament. And so I think Boaz is one of those listed. And uh, But tonight, uh, we'll, we'll move on. Uh, was there anybody that could answer the two keys for being a good disciple? My phone's frozen, so... I don't see it, but that doesn't mean it's not there. We said... Uh, one is that we should be walking in the Spirit. And so that behooves us uh, not to fulfill the lust of our flesh. Uh, so we walk in the Spirit and uh, we obey the Word. And the second. They're saying the sound is not great. Can you plug it and unplug it? You did? Well, I didn't unplug it. I just pushed it harder in. You might unplug it and plug it in. Here and there, both. Sure. Angie's going to try to plug that in again just to help the sound. This one too? Sure. And then this other one here, down here. I didn't unplug that one, but... Okay, so... Uh, so walking in the Spirit is one key to being a good disciple. 
And the second was to search the scriptures daily. So it must have helped. Huh. Jim Soval says, Oh Billy, we have lifted. <laughs> All right, we got sound again. Josh, what a mess. So uh, walk in the spirit as well as search the scriptures daily. And so we need to be in the word daily. Uh, we know that uh, we eat food food daily. So we need to be eating the Word of God and uh, getting at it, getting the Word in us. Uh, we said last week that Ruth is one of two ladies whose name uh, appears as the name of a book of our Bible. We said that the other was uh, Esther. And uh, I, I looked at my notes and it, uh, I saw where I had uh, Ruth. is a, in, in the book of Ruth, a Jewish man... Uh, Boaz marries a Gentile bride. That's very similar to Christ and the church. Uh, the church is primarily a Gentile, uh, made up of Gentiles, a non-Jewish people. And then in the book of Esther, it was actually a Jewish woman, Esther, that marries a Gentile groom. And uh, I probably won't say it right, King Ahasuerus. And uh, so anyway... Those are the two books of our Bible that are named after ladies. So in, uh, we said that there's eight primary characters in the book of Ruth. We said uh, Elimelech uh, was one, and Elimelech and Naomi were, the, uh, were of the tribe of Judah, and they lived in Bethlehem, but they were sojourning in the land of Moab during a time of famine in, in the promised land. Uh, Elimelech dies in Moab along with his two sons and they were there for about 10 years so the name Elimelech means my God is king and Naomi means the word pleasure or pleasant and uh, we said that uh, she changed her name after she lost her husband and two boys in Moab and do you remember what uh, they changed She, she wanted her name to no longer be Naomi, but they want, she wanted it to be something else, if you remember. And uh, Angie got it. It's Mara. And do you remember what Mara means? Bitter. It means bitter, bitterness. Uh, we uh, accredit Naomi. Uh, she was a good woman. She uh, ended up guiding Ruth to her redeemer, Boaz. Uh, but anyway, Elimelech and Naomi are two of the characters. They had two boys named Malon and Chilion. And uh, Malon means sick. And so, even with a name like that, uh, he, he actually got sick and died in Moab. And that was Ruth's first husband. And then uh, Chilion, uh, he died there as well. That was Orpha's husband. And his name means pining. In other words, pining away. and uh, then uh, we said uh, Orpha she was one of the Moabite ladies she married Chilion and her her name means gazelle and she was the wife of Chilion uh, and she was one of the daughters of Naomi and instead of going uh, with her and Ruth into the promised land uh, she went back to Moab and back to her gods uh, lowercase g so, Elimelech, Naomi, Malon, Chilion, uh, Orpha. And then we get to number six is Ruth. And Ruth's name means friendship. And uh, I like that because uh, she was the other daughter-in-law to uh, Naomi. And she claved to Naomi. And she became uh, Naomi's friend and companion. So her name means friendship. And she became a friend or companion to Naomi and uh, if you will uh, hold your place there in the book of Ruth Uh, we'll come back there shortly but let's look at uh, the book of Matthew I want you to see in Matthew chapter 1 we see that Ruth became the great grandmother of King David so uh, let's all turn to Matthew chapter 1 the very first book of our New Testament And here in Matthew chapter 1, let's look at verses 5 and 6. Matthew 1, verse 5 and 6. 5 says, And Salmon begat Boaz of 
Rahab. That's that's Rahab the harlot. So uh, Salmon and Rahab the harlot, they had a boy named Boaz, and so that's uh, he's in the line of the genealogy of Christ already. And then it says, and Boaz begat Obed of Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse. Verse 6, and Jesse begat David the king, and David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias. Uh, that's Uriah the Hittite. So there's actually three ladies right there in the genealogy of Christ. We have uh, Rahab, we have Ruth, and of course uh, Bathsheba was the wife of Uriah the Hittite. And uh, with David, uh, they had Solomon as their son. And uh, I think there's one more lady in there uh, in the genealogy. Maybe I'm just thinking of Mary. But uh, anyway, uh, so uh, Elimelech, Naomi, Malon, Chelion, Orpha, Ruth, and of course Boaz. These are all uh, characters in the book of Ruth. And then the one that I did not mention last week that uh, I thought was really interesting. Um, I do have to give you a joke before we go any further. Do you know what type of man uh, Boaz was before he married Ruth? I know because I've heard you say it. So we can't go any further until we get a little bit of a laugh. Uh, Before he uh, met and married Ruth, he was ruthless. So Boaz was ruthless. He was without Jim Ruth. Got it. Of course, Jim got it. So anyway, I think that's funny. And so uh, let's meet the eighth character here in the book of Ruth. It's found in uh, Ruth chapter three. We're going to look at Ruth chapter three, and uh, hope hopefully this will make sense. Let's look down at verse. <laughs> Brian told him the answer. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. Okay, Ruth chapter 3, verse 12. 12 and 13. And this is Boaz speaking. It says, And now it is true that I am thy near kinsman, howbeit there is a kinsman nearer than I. Tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning, that if he will perform unto thee the part of a kinsman, well, let him do the kinsman part. But if he will not do the part of the of a kinsman to thee, then will I do the part of a kinsman to thee. As the Lord liveth, lie down until the morning. And so I'm sure... Uh, this was hard for Ruth to do, but uh, the Bible says here, Boaz says that there is a kinsman that is more near than a Boaz. And so we said that uh, a kinsman meant, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, he was to marry and to bring up seed to his. I'm going to see if I can pull up last week's lesson here and look at what I put there. I think I gave some definitions for a kinsman. Yeah, here it is. Uh, so it came from a, a primitive root uh, to redeem. And according to Oriental law of kinship, uh, it would be like the necks of kin uh, physically. But uh, as such, you would buy back a relative's property, you would marry his widow, and uh, it says, in any wise at all, avenger or deliverer to do the part of near or next of kin, and uh, purchase, ransom, redeem, and revenge, revenger. So anyway, uh, 
I did not come up with this on my own, but uh, as you think about it, I think it makes sense that uh, whoever this nearer kinsman, he was more closely related than Boaz. Uh, he was willing to buy the property of Elimelech because he died in Moab, but he was not willing to marry Ruth. Evidently, he was already married and committed to a family and uh, so he backs out and so I've heard it taught and I think it's true that that uh, this nearer kinsman than Boaz was it really pictures our flesh and how our carnal nature uh, is attached to us and uh, but Christ is inside of us and so now that we are saved we are closer to Christ than we are our flesh and our carnal nature and so we need to feed our spirit we need to feed our soul with the word of God and and it will grow stronger and be able to dominate and lead uh, our soul as we uh, walk in the spirit so and, and continue in the word daily so these are the two things so so anyway this eighth character is the nearer kinsman it's really a representative of our flesh and so we need to uh, uh, walk in the spirit so that we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh so alright so let me uh, give you I'm not going to go through this verse by verse like we did uh, kind of last week but we're going to talk about the last two chapters we're going to talk about Ruth uh, personally she is the daughter-in-law of Elimelech and Naomi and her name means friendship and uh, we said that she was uh, a companion or friend with Naomi but uh, think about this, as she marries Boaz, uh, Jesus is prophesied as a friend that sticketh closer than her brother. And uh, I hope that uh, those of you that are married, that you can say that your spouse is your friend. And so in that regard, uh, we're like Ruth. When we're married to Christ, uh, he is our friend. But even uh, in the sense of a marriage, I hope that you are friends with your spouse and uh, companion with them. And then in uh, Ruth chapter 1, uh, toward the end, uh, Ruth cleaved to Naomi and made a vow. And so I think that's very instructive to Christians. Uh, uh, we need to uh, cleave to the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, if you remember a story, it's of one of David's mighty men that uh, as they went to war, his hand claved to the sword and uh, so much that he could not let go of the sword he almost became one with the sword and so that is how it is uh, in a marriage uh, uh, Adam and Eve uh, uh, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife and they too shall be one and that's really the goal of marriage is to become one not only physically but spiritually, emotionally, financially uh, one in uh, heart and one in life and so uh, anyway Ruth did that she cleaved to Naomi and she said uh, where you die I'm going to die and I want your God to be my God and, and all those uh, vows that she uh, claved to Naomi and, and said to her and uh, one thing I like about Ruth uh, she was determined she was a worker she was steadfast. She was not a complainer. Uh, most, most of those gleaning and the reapers, they were young men. And so uh, this woman just got down in there and worked with the men, and uh, she did not complain. And even though she had lost her husband, she was separated from her family. She's living in a different country. Uh, this is very commendable. And uh, if you're considering uh, becoming a missionary yourself, uh, uh, it's hard work and so you can imagine uh, she said she left the land of her nativity and she went to a people that she did not know heretofore and uh, I, let you, I told you that that's a verse that our son uh, God used in his life when he went to uh, Albania for nine months and uh, we know from uh, Ruth chapter 1 verse 15 that uh, Moab had false gods and so she uh, the, the, the Moabites were actually the enemies of God. They were enemy of God's people. And just as we are before coming to Christ, uh, we are at enmity with the Lord. 
And uh, so that's why when we get saved, we, we get peace. We, we become, uh, <clears throat> we're coming to His family. We're no longer at war with the Lord. And one thing I like is in Luke chapter 2, I'm sorry, Ruth chapter 2, is that Ruth found grace from Boaz. So Boaz did not have to redeem her. It was a part of the law. He could lawfully do that. But uh, Ruth was there. She was just hungry. She was away from her family, away from her false gods. And so uh, I bet it was refreshing to her to find the one true God and to uh, enter into his family by grace. And and that's one thing we can say about uh, every dispensation. Uh, You know, sometimes salvation was really through works. I mean... Adam and Eve were just told not to eat of the forbidden fruit, and uh, they did, but by God's grace, uh, the day that they eat, they shall surely die. They, they died uh, spiritually, but uh, He showed them grace. We know that uh, in the dispensation of human government under Noah, the Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, <clears throat> and uh, he was upright in his generation. And so uh, every dispensation, there is a matter of grace. And uh, we need grace. And Ruth found grace. She, it's an uh, unmerited favor. And she did not uh, earn or deserve it. And uh, Ruth was a humble... In fact, let's look at uh, Ruth 2 and verse 10 and 11. That's where it mentions that she found grace in the sight of Boaz. Ruth chapter 2 verse 10 it says, Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath fully been shown, showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother and the land of thy nativity, and art become, and art come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. And so uh, uh, it touched Boaz that uh, Ruth had lost her husband. She was in mourning, no doubt, and uh, so he showed her grace. And uh, uh, Ruth was really a humble baker, a beggar, and uh, but. She was a, a hard worker at gleaning. <clears throat> and in the Old Testament, the uh, Jews were not to uh, harvest every part of the field. They were to leave a little grain in the corners. That was part of their law. And so uh, evidently they were doing that. And people like Ruth uh, would come along and uh, glean whatever uh, in the corners of a field or maybe... Uh, some grain that was spilled in in the field, and she could uh, pick that up and keep it for herself. And I want you to see in uh, chapter two, verse sixteen, that uh, God blessed her faithfulness. Ruth two sixteen, uh, Boaz said, and let fall some of the handfuls of purpose for her, and leave them, that she may glean them and rebuke her not. And so uh, Ruth was faithful to uh, follow her mother-in-law and the the laws of the Jewish people. And uh, I I don't know if this is a saying that I made up or if I heard, but it's really biblical. It's uh, God blesses faithfulness. And He he blesses obedience. He blesses faithfulness. And I I get that from uh, Proverbs chapter 28, 20. The first part of it says, A faithful man shall abound with blessings. And uh, brother and sister, I hope you are experiencing that yourselves personally. I uh, pray that you are uh, you found grace in that way that a faithful man or woman uh, shall abound. Uh, abound means more than enough. You'll be blessed more than enough. And that's in Proverbs twenty-eight twenty. And so uh, Ruth was the recipient of that. She uh, got handfuls of purpose. It gave her purpose to glean. And uh, she had handful, so uh, she only had two hands, so she probably had to bag up some. She she was abounding. She had more than enough. And then we find in uh, Ruth chapter three and verse five, uh, Ruth says, "And she said unto her, 
all that thou sayest unto me I will do. And so Ruth had the right uh, heart attitude. Uh, she was obedient to instruction. She was obedient to counsel. And uh, she obeyed uh, Boaz uh, there in that verse. And in verse uh, 9, 3 verse 9, it says, And he said, Who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth, thine handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. And uh, here we find that uh, handmaid, I think it's also translated servant in some places. So Ruth became a servant or a handmaid to Boaz. And uh, I I know that's a blessing when people offer to help me out. Uh, They want to help serve me or help me serve others. Uh, That's huge. And so that's who Ruth was. She became a handmaid. She's like, Boaz, I'm your, I'm your handmaid. Uh, I appreciate it if you just cover me for now, and I will serve you. And uh, so she, she did that. Uh, next we find, that this is a famous verse, verse 11. 311. It says here, And now, my daughter, fear not. So Boaz tells her not to fear. He says, I will do to thee all that thou requirest. And then he says, For all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. And uh, who can tell me what the word virtue means? I will give you a candy bar next time. Without looking it up, do you know what the word virtue means? Uh, Ruth is the only person named in the Bible that is called a virtuous woman. And it's Ruth. Uh, do any of you know what uh, the, name, the word virtue means? What does virtue mean? But here uh, Ruth is called a virtuous woman. Jim says spiritual strength. It is. Uh, Jim says virt- uh, spiritual strength. And so yeah, just the word power or strength. Huh? Morally upright. Yeah, morally upright. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Probably should be drinking water. I got some sweet tea going there, but uh, so yeah, I want to come around and highlight this. But uh, it, it's really cool to me that Boaz says the whole city knows it. Ruth, you're a virtuous woman. You you are exercising some spiritual strength. You've got power in your life. You've uh, made a friend out of Naomi. You're becoming my friend, uh, Boaz. You're my handmaid. You're this servant. You found grace. And uh, so this was a virtuous, powerful young lady. And uh, that's what Christ says. When the lady touched the hem of his garment, he says, I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. And uh, he felt some of his power leave him and uh, healed the lady that touched the hem of his garment. And so that's kind of my key verse. But we're going to come back to virtue in just a minute. Uh... In chapter 3 and verse 13, uh, this is a tough one. Uh, Boaz says, Tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning, that if he will perform unto thee the part of a kinsman, well, let him do the kinsman part. But if he will not do the part of a kinsman to thee, then will I do the part of a kinsman to thee. As the Lord liveth, lie down until the morning. And uh, what I got from this verse is just that... uh, Ruth exercised patience. She had to wait. She had to wait. Uh, and that's hard for all of us to do. We hate to wait in line. We hate to wait in traffic. But uh, she had to just go back and lie down and wait till the morning to see, uh, am I going to marry Boaz or am I going to continue? And the cool thing about this eighth person being a type of our flesh is our flesh cannot redeem us. It cannot uh, purchase us. Uh, our flesh uh, does not have that power, but Christ does, and Boaz did, and he did redeem his bride. And so here we find that Ruth had to learn patience. She had to wait. Uh, in verse 16, it says, And when uh, she came to her mother-in-law, she said, Who art thou, my daughter? And she told her all that the man had done to her. And so uh, Naomi didn't hardly recognize her. I think she had her face veiled. 
But uh, I noted there that we are changed after meeting Boaz, and ho hopefully uh, people notice that we have changed after we have come to the Lord and we're now Christians. There's something different about our lives. Uh, over in chapter 4, now look at verse 13. <clears throat> this was after, this was their marriage, so Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife, and when he went in unto her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. And uh, what I put there is that Ruth was fruitful. So earlier we saw that she was faithful, and now God made her fruitful. She had a child uh, named Obed, I believe it is. Yep. And uh, that's uh, uh, the father of Jesse, the grandfather of David. So uh, Ruth and Boaz were fruitful. The intimacy that they had together produced fruit. And so as we are intimate with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Excuse me. Will we will produce fruit as well? And so uh, Ruth was this uh, poor stranger. She was a foreigner to God's people, and uh, so were we before we came to Christ. In Ephesians two twelve, it says that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the in the world. And so uh, this uh, Moabite lady who was a poor, strange foreigner, uh, she became, uh, to Boaz, who was a rich, wealthy uh, businessman, he owned a field, he had many servants, he, was, he redeemed her, <clears throat> and uh, she was virtuous, and uh, together they were just this great type of Christ in the church. Now, uh, Boaz did have to fulfill the law in order to redeem Ruth. And just like Christ fulfilled the law, and he has redeemed us. It says, uh, Boaz was a kinsman redeemer to Ruth. And we've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We touched on that last time. Uh, we said that uh, Boaz purchased Ruth. And that's what Acts uh, chapter 20, I think verse 28. I could be wrong about that, but it's where... Uh, God hath purchased the church with his blood. And so we are the purchased possession, Ephesians says. <clears throat> Boaz was a restorer of life to Ruth in chapter 4.15. And uh, as a type of Christ, Boaz is the Lord of the harvest. He's the master of the servants. He's the redeemer. He's the bridegroom. And he is also uh, Ruth's life giver. That's uh, restorer of life. He, he gave her new life. <clears throat> And so Ruth became Boaz's wife, just as we are the bride of Christ. And Boaz is actually Ruth's second husband. Uh, her first husband died, uh, mainly on. And just as we were in the devil's family before we came to Christ. We said last week that Boaz did not force himself on Ruth. He waited and let her come to him willingly. <clears throat> and uh, she did. <clears throat> and so the Lord is the perfect gentlemen and he uh, wants to court us he wants to be our uh, bridegroom <clears throat> but it has to be our choice uh, we see in Ruth chapter 3 verse 8 that Boaz rose up at midnight just like uh, Christ will do do soon as well we, we call this the 11th hour right before midnight <clears throat> and uh, one thing I said early on uh, when we first started this series is that the twelve disciples, they were available. And I, I see that in the life of Ruth as well. Ruth was available. She was obedient. She was faithful. She was loyal. She was a worker. She was loved and befriended by Naomi. And uh, God made her fruitful. They had this boy named Obed. <clears throat> and uh, so don't miss the fact that uh, Boaz <clears throat> met Ruth gleaning in his field. And... Uh, <clears throat> Uh, you may not know it, but uh, Angie and I met in in a church. Uh, we we were both young, and uh, we met in a church. And uh, this is one of the things that God used to confirm with uh, our own children. Uh, when we when we helped start a church in Overland Park, Kansas, uh, lo and behold, that's where Luke met his uh, future wife, uh, Brenda Hoover. We uh, we were friends with her parents, uh, Alan and Becky Hoover. And uh, anyway, they were in youth group together. So 
it's neat when young people uh, meet in church, <clears throat> and uh, you know that that's uh, a good place to meet people uh, gleaning in the field. And uh, our daughter, when we came to Harrisonville in 2005 to uh, Harlem Baptist Fellowship, uh, it was in Harrisonville that our daughter met her future husband. Uh, they were actually at the uh, city swimming pool, and uh, our daughter was with a friend from church, and they were there swimming, and, and that's where she met her future husband uh, in Harrisonville, Missouri. So God just kind of put his <clears throat> uh, hand of blessing on our lives by us meeting at church, and both of our kids uh, either met at church or because of uh, church. And so uh, God is in, is in control of the circumstances. And uh, be turning to the book of Proverbs. Let's look at Proverbs 31. We're going to finish out our time uh, looking at the virtuous woman of Proverbs chapter 31. <clears throat> So we do want to be like uh, Ruth. She's the type of the church. But we do not want to be like Orpha. Uh, Orpha went back to her strange gods. And so it, it was going to be hard to uproot and leave the land of her nativity and her family and her gods. And so she, she turned back and she went uh, back where she was. But Ruth became this virtuous woman. And uh, everyone knew it. And like Jim said, uh, virtue means strength or might. Uh, it has to do with wealth. And it, I think it was even translated army. So there's some uh, strength to this uh, army, obviously. Uh, stay in Proverbs 31, but uh, Proverbs 12, 4, says, A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband, but she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in his bones. And so, ladies... Uh, if you uh, are or become a virtuous woman, you will be a crown to your husband. And he will have no uh, reason to be ashamed of you. But uh, if not, it, it's as rottenness in the bones. In his bones. Uh, I already said this, but I'll read you Mark chapter 5, verse 30. Uh, when Jesus, the lady touched the hem of his garment, it says, And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself... That virtue had gone out of him, turned about in the press, and said, Who touched my clothes? And so virtue, uh, this power went out of him to heal the, the uh, lady with the issue of blood. And I'll look at a couple of others in the New Testament in just a minute, but uh, here in Proverbs 31, look at verse 16. And we're going to read 16 through the end of the chapter. But uh, verse 10 actually says, Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? And if you jump down to verse 16, uh, I'm going to read from here to the end of the chapter. But let, let me point out uh, what I want to highlight to you as we read. Uh, these are some characteristics of a virtuous woman. And I've got 20 things listed. And I'm going to list them for you. And then we're going to read them. And uh, my wife can probably tell me, I'm not sure if the, I think these are like adjectives, but they could be a verb. So, but uh, we're going to see that she considereth something. We're going to see that she buyeth something. She girdeth something. She strengtheneth something. She perceiveth. She layeth. She stretcheth. She reacheth. It says twice that she maketh. She openeth. She selleth, she delivereth, she seeketh, uh, she worketh, she bringeth, she ruleth, she giveth, she feareth, she eateth, and she excelleth. And so uh, now we're going to read these verses that have all those 20 words that I just read you. I don't know, are those adjectives, honey, they describe, uh, or are they verbs? Verbs are action words. They're kind of. Maybe. So let, let's now see, uh, anyway, just as I was uh, read this, I kind of picked out uh, those words, and uh, I just thought it was really cool, but in verse 16, it says about this virtuous woman, she considereth a field, well that sounds just like 
Ruth, uh, she was gleaning in the field, and it says, And she buyeth it with the fruit of her hand, she planteth. You know, I don't think I had that in my list, the word planteth. I, I have it in my wide margin here. I'm going to put it in there real quick just so I have it. So I think that was uh, would be 21 different words. So she planteth a vineyard. Verse 17. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. That uh, sounds like Ruth. She's a worker and she's gleaning and she's up at night and she's doing all these things. In verse 19, she layeth her hands to the spindle and her hands hold the distaff. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. Here it is in verse 22. She maketh, so she's busy making things, she maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. <clears throat> I think it says here... Uh, Well, maybe I'll see when I get to it. But there it says that her clothing is silk and purple. I think there's another place here that shows what her clothing, what that represents. Uh, verse 23. Her husband is known in the gates when she sitteth among the elders of the land. Uh, she maketh fine linen and selleth it and gir uh, delivereth girdles unto the merchants. There it is. Strength and honor are her clothing. So we said her clothing is silk and purple, and here we say strength and honor are her clothing. So it kind of defines uh, what silk and purple represent. And she shall rejoice in time to come. So she has hope. She's she, she's going to have rejoice in the future. So she has hope. Verse 26, she openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. So she was shown grace, and now she's given grace to others. Verse 27, She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. So she refuses to eat the bread of idleness. And uh, in recovery, recovery uh, I think that's one thing that the Catholics got right, is uh, idleness is the devil's workshop. And so people that... Uh, just as we've seen uh, a lot of bad things come out of the quarantine for the coronavirus, uh, it behooves us to keep our hands busy, uh, all of us. And this virtuous woman, she refuses to be idle. In verse 28, this is uh, really some good Mother's Day stuff. Her children arise up and call her blessed her husband also, and he praiseth her. And here's how he praises her, verse 29. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. And so her husband thinks that she is uh, number one in his life. Uh, you're above all the ladies. And uh, this is how husbands need to perceive their wives. So she, she excels, and she is busy doing uh, right things. Verse 30. Uh, favor is deceitful and beauty is vain but a woman that feareth the Lord she shall be praised give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates and so she uh, that's uh, the way that she is rejoicing in times to come because her own works are going to praise her in the gates when she gets to heaven uh, she has treasure laid up above and so anyway, I just like those uh, 21, there may even be 22 things, uh, at least 21 different actions that this lady, this virtuous woman is doing. Now I, I found, uh, and we're almost done here, we're almost at the hour point, 
in uh, Philippians 4.8, it mentions uh, things that I know we've told our students in, in recovery uh, to begin to begin thinking right. Uh, we've all got this thinking thinking. And here in Philippians 4.8, it says, Finally, my brother, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, then it says, If there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. So the Bible is uh, admonishing us to think about virtue and so we have done that with uh, the book of Ruth this virtuous woman and here at the end of Proverbs chapter 31 uh, uh, I believe uh, Solomon's mother is telling Solomon uh, giving him instruction and counsel on who to pick for a a wife pick a virtuous woman and then I'll give you one other New Testament uh, passage and this will be familiar to you too. So we need to be thinking about things that are virtuous. But here in Second Peter chapter 1, and I'm going to read 3 through 9, it says, According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So God has called us to glory and virtue. Uh, so in other words, when, when we're one with Christ, uh, you know we don't have any virtue of our own, but we become one with Him, and we can become powerful. We don't have to be fearful. We uh, can make the changes. We we can be uh, trophies of God's grace because uh, He's called us that. He called us to glory and virtue, and He says, "Whereby are given unto us great and precious promises." that you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And then he says these seven things. He says, and besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. So we, we come to Christ, by, uh, we're saved by grace through faith, and now he says to add to that faith virtue. Give, give power in your life and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, uh, they shall make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, but he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. So anyway, I really like this. We're, we're, we've seen in Philippians we're to think about virtuous things. And we are now, It's Peter's telling us, hey, add to your faith virtue. Get that. And, and if you add these things to your faith, you're, you're going to be fruitful. And, and, and Ruth was. She kept adding to her faith and she believed God and His Word and she uh, committed to being with Naomi and uh, went into the promised land and anyway uh, it was a time of harvest and she got in on it and so uh, that kind of concludes my time today is there any uh, prayer requests or anything that came up that we need to mention I hope you can uh, Pat mentioned the uh, outreach next Saturday okay yeah Pat brought up that uh, we do have an outreach next Saturday I think it's 1230 to 1 at the church. He's going to distribute uh, door hangers, some literature in packets that we can walk the streets of Harrisonville, uh, specifically around the park. We're going to uh, hang door hangers and uh, help get the word out that we're having a church service. So uh, we're going to go out Saturday, and then uh, Sunday we'll be at the park at 10 o'clock. And so uh, let's pray about those two things. Thanks for bringing that up, Pat. I thought about it after I already had prayed there a minute ago. but uh, So let's pray about that, and then we'll sign out. My dogs are having a tug of war in the back. Sorry, I hope I didn't hurt your ears on that. Uh,
Okay, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, Father in heaven, we do thank you for this beautiful day uh, just outside. And uh, Father, I thank you that you have protected our church and our people from the coronavirus. I do pray uh, you continue to healing on those that have some infirmities. And Lord, uh, we do need to get uh, just these uh, carnal things behind us as we... Uh, if we're entangled in the things of this life, we cannot be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So help us to think on things that are virtuous. Help us to add to our faith the virtue. Lord, help us to uh, give us this grace that uh, Ruth had. Help us not to fulfill the lust of our flesh by uh, helping us walk in the Spirit. Lord, uh, make us uh, help us to search the Scriptures daily like the Bereans did. And Lord, just uh, bless our cl- class. I pray as we go out next uh, Saturday that it'll be fruitful and maybe we can have good conversations uh, while we're hanging uh, door hangers on doors. And So Lord, just have your good hand and blessing on uh, the outreach at the Church in the Park. I pray, uh, Lord, that we'll even have uh, record-breaking attendance. I pray, uh, Lord, that we could get the permit to put up the tent if it be your will. I pray that uh, just for our pastor as he leads our church, uh, guide, uh, guard, and protect him this week. But thank you for each soul listening online right now. Pray for Jim and Sherry. I lift up uh, Pat to you. I pray for Brian and Angie. And I uh, pray for my wife. And uh, Lord, we just uh, love you. I pray for anybody else that might uh, watch this video in the future. I just uh, pray your uh, word will go forth and have free course in their lives. And that uh, you'll uh, continue to bless the journey class. Give a uh, Give me wisdom as I uh, pastor and lead. And thank you for helping my headache to feel better. And Father, we uh, love you. We look forward to you coming and getting us uh, someday soon here. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, class. Well, I'm going to shut this off now. And I uh, hope to see you next Sunday. God bless you.